And tonight we're going to share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news about Jesus Christ. We're going to share with you about the reason. What is Easter all about? A lot of people look around there. Well, I, you know, ask them what's Easter about. Well, I can tell you a little bit about Jesus, but many people don't even know, don't even understand what it's all about. So tonight we want to give you a presentation, uh, some from the Word of God and some in drama, which will uh, help you to understand exactly what Easter is about. And uh, I want to start with a verse out of Genesis. It's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 to 28. I want to talk a little bit about how God designed man. You have been designed. He didn't just come as an accident. The Bible tells us, and God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the year, and every living thing that moves in the earth. So we see that when God made people, he made us in his image. He made us to be a spirit being. You are a spiritual being living in a body with a soul. You have a spiritual capacity. Whether you understand that or know much about that, you still have a spiritual capacity. You have a part of you which is spiritual, eternal. That's why in every culture, whatever world you go into, whatever part of the world you go, there's always a hunger in the hearts of people to know a God of some kind. And uh, that is because we've been created in the likeness of God. We've been made to be connected to a living God. The second thing we see in that verse is that God designed you for relationship. He designed you with a spirit, a part of you which can connect with the spiritual world. But he's also made you for relationships. We can't function in our life properly without relationships. person's got no relationships. We say no mates. We're really implying something's wrong with them. And there's something wrong with us when we cannot relate and form intimate relationships because that's how God designed us. And God also designed us to, uh, for dominion in the earth, to represent him or to act on his behalf. He made us not to live under the power of uh, alcohol or nicotine or drugs or addictions of any kind. He, he made us and created us that we would express his creativity in the earth, that we would represent him, that we would cultivate the earth. But when you look around and you see what's happening in the world, when you look in the papers and you watch what's going on night after night in television, you have to realize something has gone wrong. If God has made us to be a spiritual being, made us for a relationship, made us to be creative, why is the world such a mess? Why are the people around me such a mess? Why am I struggling and have such a mess going on in my life? A lot of people are asking that. And so the the reason we need to see then why, why there is such a problem and the dilemma the man had. God created us and designed us to relate to him. But the Bible tells us in Romans 3 verse 23, it tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of what God planned, what God intended we would be like. That happened when uh, Adam sinned. The Bible says, by one man sin entered the world and death through sin. And now all die, all have sin. What a dilemma. Now, when we ask and talk about the word sin, a lot of people have got no understanding. They think, well, sin is bad stuff, you know. Sin is you know, beating someone up or sin is perhaps killing someone or stealing. We have a vague idea what it is. And so, of course, sin is what other people do. It's never what we do. wouldn't enter our mind that we would be a sinner. We're good people. But the Bible has a different perspective on it. The Bible says this, all have sinned. Now, how many are left out in that? No one is left out. All have sinned. And uh, we're going to see a little more about it. And the reason we've sinned is because the Bible is very clear. Man rejected God's design. God designed us for relationship, but man actually rejected working in relationship with God. 
Man rejected God. Man made a decision, I don't want God in my life and I don't want God's principles or ways. When we look in our culture, when we look around at what's going on in in Hastings and in Napier, the thing that is absolutely clear is this, that people have rejected God and people have rejected God's ways of doing things. When you do that, there are some consequences which we'll see. Man became separated from God and man lost his direction and his purpose in life. He lost his source of life. When you talk to people, you find one of the big questions that they find it so difficult to answer is this. When you ask a person, why are you here? What is the purpose of your life? And what is your destiny? Many people cannot answer this. And this is the reason they can't answer it. And perhaps you can't answer it. It's because we are separated from the one who has planned that destiny. We're separated from God. All have sinned. All of us are born into this world separated from God. And that means there's something missing inside us. We have lost our way. We're lost. When a person's lost, they don't know their direction. They don't know where to go to get out of their situation. They don't know what to do to get out of their situation. And so the Bible tells us every person, without exception, has made a path independent of God. Is that you? Are you running your life without God? Are you running your life independent of God? Well, that's what the Bible calls sin. Sin is saying no to God and to his design. It's saying no to him. I want to do my life my way. I want to do it my own way. Independence is sin. That's the core of what sin is. And every one of us here are the same. Now, what are the consequences of sin? In Romans 6.23, it tells us there are certain results when you break down and don't, don't operate like God intended you to. Anyone who's ever seen a car that someone's misused didn't know how to work it right and see the damage they cause. When you don't know what the purpose of something is, you'll probably misuse it. You'll probably damage it. And so the Bible tells us of a number of consequences of sin, the wages or the payment, the, the consequences of sin, of being independent of God, is that we live a life separated from God. Here's some of the consequences. Separation from God. Uh, loneliness. Sickness. Sickness and disease. This was never God's plan. This came in as a result of sin. Death was never God's plan. It came in as a result of sin. Broken relationships. Some of you are in broken relationships right now. You, you know the pain and the grief of being separated. That sin has caused that. When you see a family that's broken down, you can come up with lots of reasons, lots of excuses, but the bottom line, it's sin. It's actually functioning not the way God intended us. It's trying to run our lives without God. When we have a look, we see loneliness as a consequence of sin. Some of you here tonight are very lonely, even in the middle of a crowd. There's a part of you is lonely and wondering what your life is about and where you're going. This is the consequence of sin, the deep, deep emptiness that's in every one of us. Strife and conflict is another consequence of sin. Strife and relationship, conflicts, wars. I've been to some of the countries where there's tremendous poverty and tremendous wars. One of the things that stands out is this. They are wealthy countries. The reason the people are so poor is because of sin. Greedy people have exploited all the resources. There's no shortage of resources, but sin has changed everything. Have you noticed that around you? These problems exist? Probably you haven't been able to put your finger on why it is like this. The Bible tells it very simply. We try to run our life without God. We are sinners. We've gone our own way. You notice another consequence of sin is we're searching for purpose and for life. You know, we're made to be attached to God and to have a purpose which he's planned for our life. It's quite unique for you. God wants to have a relationship with you and to express his life through you, which is a good life. 
But the trouble is without God, we're trying to find purpose, and so we attach to things. We attach to bad relationships. We attach to alcohol. We attach to drugs. We attach to all kinds of stuff. Why are we doing that? Because we're looking for answers. We're looking for something that only God can supply. I want to tell you just a little bit about God. I want to tell you two things about what God is like. If I was to ask you what is God like, you'd have all kinds of ideas. But the Bible makes it really clear what he's like. I want to share with you two aspects of what he's like. A little later, we're going to see these two aspects shown in the drama. Now, there's many aspects to what God is like, but here's the first one. The first aspect of God is that God is holy. Oh, we don't even really know what holiness means, but I'll give you a definition. Holy means has no faults, no sin, no darkness. There's no deceit, no treachery. He gives his word, he keeps his word. He's absolutely reliable and trustworthy. No darkness in him at all. That's what it means to be holy. Is that the kind of person you are? I don't think so. Sin has changed us, hasn't it? We're not like that at all. So God is a holy God. And because God is a holy God, he rejects sin. He doesn't want to be defiled by sin. Sin defiles us. God doesn't want to be defiled. He's a holy God. He doesn't want to be polluted. Some of you know what it's like to be with people and and the, the language and the lifestyle pollutes you. It affects you negatively. God has no intention of being polluted. He is holy. And so therefore he rejects sin. But he does not reject the sinner. God must judge all sin because he's fair and he's a just judge. He created the world. These problems are in there. He's taken responsibility for. You have a think about this. Every one of us in our heart requires justice. We look for justice. If something is, we've been treated badly, we always look for something to be put right. If we had a look at our roads, if there were no road rules, the the place would be a chaos. There has to be justice. And so God is a just judge, and the Bible tells us clearly that God will call all men to give account for what they've done. He must do it. He made the world. The world is in a mess. He must call everyone to account for their actions. You came into this world on your own. You will go out on your own, and you will face a God who will call you to give account for your life. Think about that. In the first five seconds after your death, you will face an almighty God And you personally will give account for your life, what you've done with it. So that's one aspect of God. God is holy. You think, what on earth can I do about that? Well, perhaps I'm just a good enough person, and then I might be able to uh, connect with him or get into heaven. But no, it doesn't work that way. We try all kinds of ways to get near to God and get into heaven, but it doesn't work. God has got his own way. Here's a second aspect of the nature of God. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, verse 7, it says, the person who doesn't love doesn't really know about God or know God at all because God is love. So not, as, not only is God holy and he hates sin, he is a loving God. What does that mean, to be loving? Well, I love pizza. Does it mean that? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Something different. Love in the Bible means to sacrificially give of yourself for the benefit of someone else. So when the Bible says that God is loving, it means you can rely on him consistently to sacrificially give to your benefit. What an amazing God. And so God is compassionate. He, he has a heart for people. When you see Jesus and you read the story of Jesus, you find there's a leper, a man who's covered in sores, infectious diseases, and Jesus touched him. He had compassion for him. A woman caught in adultery, Jesus forgave her and set her free of her failures. God has moved. He, he cares and is concerned about the struggles you have. Some of you come from broken homes. Some of you come from backgrounds where you've been abused. Some of you come from terrible, terrible situations. 
God has a heart to help you. He really does want to help you. And we'll show you a little how you can receive his help. And God forgives people who fail. We think, well, if I was only good enough, I could go to heaven. But no, 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 that's not God's way. God wants to forgive you. He wants to face up the things that are in our lives that are not right and then provide a remedy for them to forgive us. Because God loves us, he's willing to forgive. He's willing to lay it aside, never raise the issues you've failed in. What a wonderful God. He gives generously and abundantly, and he wants to give to you. What an amazing thing. This God that we're going to talk about and share about and, 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 um, and show you something about what he's done for us is a holy God who hates and judges sin, a loving God who reaches out to help people who fail. What an awesome God. Now, how does God go about doing this? How does God solve this dilemma that he's holy and must judge sin, that he's loving and must forgive sinners? How do you get around that one? Very simple. It's found in the cross. And I want to share with you just briefly now two aspects of the cross, and you're going to see these two aspects portrayed in drama. And as you see them, I want you to realize and understand what is happening. That's why I'm sharing about it before we start. When we do the drama, there'll be some dance, there'll be some dramatic activity, there'll be an AV presentation, and we'll be showing you something of what happened at the cross, at the crucifixion of Jesus, and then three days later, at the resurrection. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 23, this is what the Bible says, Jesus personally carried the load of our sins in his own body when he died on the cross, so that we can be finished with sin and live a good life, a productive life from now on. The first thing the cross tells us is how serious sin is. You see, even though I've talked about it, and even though you'll nod your head and say, yeah, 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 it's sort of bad, and you know, there's bad stuff around, the thing that most of us don't ever come to grips with is just how serious it is. When we see the cross, we see that God poured out his judgment upon sin. And it's a horrendous thing. There are some aspects of what you see tonight They're not attractive. They're not pretty. They show the horror of the consequences of sin. The penalty of all sin is death. A separation from God that we cannot escape unless we find God's way. Jesus was sent to represent us. You never have to work hard to get into heaven. You have to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, it was you and me he represented. To represent someone means you stand in and act on their behalf. So when Jesus died on the cross, he died for my sins, he died for your sins. When you watch this production tonight and watch what happens to Jesus, keep this in mind. He did this for me because he loves me. He did this because I have sinned, and this is the consequence of my sin. He paid the price the full price of every failure, mistake, everything you've ever done wrong in the past, everything you've ever done wrong or will do wrong in the future, Jesus has already provided a full payment for the sin. The last thing I want to share with you is this verse now in John 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send in his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So when you watch this production tonight, I want you to look for two things. I want you to see how horrible sin is, the terrible consequences of sin, 
and the terrible punishment that comes upon those who have sinned. You say, why is it so serious? Well, the person we've sinned against is God. Clearly, when we've sinned against Him, there are terrible consequences. But we see also the great love that God has. The cross reveals God's love for sinners. God loves you. He loves the person next to you. He loves your parents. He loves your friends. He loves your enemies. He loves people. Absolutely and unconditionally, he maintains an attitude of love towards them. He loves you, and he wants to help you. Tonight, as you watch this production, I want you to watch every step of Jesus' journey to the cross and then his resurrection. He did this for you, so you would never have to bear the penalty of sin, so you could live a life free from sin, and so you could walk in a relationship with God. Friends, we have all missed it. We've all missed God. We've all gone our own way. Tonight, God invites you to come back. As we share the gospel of Jesus Christ tonight, you will be faced with a choice. Will you receive what God has done for you? Will you welcome what Jesus did and accept his terms? And I'll explain them just shortly. Or will you just shake your head and say, No, I am determined in my heart that I will live my life my way without God, and I am willing to bear the full consequences of that. Tonight we offer you the gospel of Jesus Christ, the cross, the cross of Christ and his resurrection. After we finish this production, I'll share with you just briefly on the resurrection and what it means for us and how you personally can receive God's provision.